Good people <sighs> of Los Angeles. Wait, wait. That's the sound of 2022 green tea ready for you right now at Tea Habitat. That's right. Tea Habitat sponsored the pod. Just kidding. Don't ever sponsor the pod just because if you ever sponsor the pod, I'm just going to give you all the money back, Tea yeah. Habitat, because you deserve it. They got their fresh green teas out right now. So good, man. So, so, so good. Tonight on the FCFC pod, we welcome back the Parisian Spice Man. That's right. He was gone for a week in Paris, and now he's Parisian. Josh Spice is here to talk about his experience at Parc des Princes. Did I say it right? Oui. Parc des Princes. Parc des Princes. And yeah, it's just the three of us, no guests tonight. Uh, we're our own best guests, best dressed guests. That's right, Slim. Slim's voice is pretty much shot to the moon. Uh, we convinced him to go out of here, come over here. He, he was just like, dude, my voice is completely dead. And I was like, come on, can't be that bad, but you be the judge. And enjoy this Tales of Paris. Um, Josh shares his, then I share mine. And between that, we... Have a good evening in this windy backyard in, uh, in April and Kobe runs around like loco. Slim, want to hit him with the warning? We're in the backyard. It's loud. We cuss. You shouldn't be listening to cussing. Stop. Okay? Bye. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all curse words in French, Welcome to the FCFC pod where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. It's your favorite fat Korean. It's slim. We got Dweez on the boards. And our boy Spice is back from France. The city of love. La the city, city of light. Vrai. The city of light, isn't it? Light and love. You can't have both. Those yeah, that's only for Jesus. Well, Jesus was there with me. He was, he was walking with me in spirit. <laughs> Were there footprints in the sand? <laughs> Where there was only one pair of footprints. <laughs> I carried you, motherfucker. <laughs> um, my voice is gone from fucking I left it in Carson. Um, along with my joy and happiness. And we're back, guys. Why is nobody talking? This was Josh's Spice's soundtrack in Paris. Did you really pull that up just now? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that was quick. He's walking with the Lord. In what way were you at war with yourself in Paris, Josh? 
Uh, yeah, so uh, I became highly lactose intolerant after I turned 30 and um, was f was fighting the urge to consume buttery products and also look for public bathrooms that would suffice. Consumed zero of them or did? No, I did. And I then, did. And then fought to find the bathroom and asked in the most polite way how to find a day to toilet. Ah. So there it is. How close to the edge did we get? You know what? I, I planned ahead and I'm a big boy. I can pay for my own room and hotel in multiple spaces, multiple Airbnbs. And so I had I had kind of uh, gateways. I also knew hotels around the area, you know, kind of scoped it out. On Reddit, you can find out uh, hotel bathroom codes and... Uh, Wow, really? Yeah, there's a there's a Twitter, and this is mostly for for in the English speaking Americas here. But there's a Twitter, and I'll refer to it later. But they give you all the Starbucks uh, bathroom codes in your area. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's it's a constant running running update. That's that's your pod content for the day. I don't think we need to talk about anything else. That's enough pod content. Anyone who came here to Bye. hear this episode, they just got <laughs> their so happy. their listenership Bye. worth. That's great. Yeah, man. Some. Times. Well, drop the Twitter handle now, dude. Why are you being selfish? <laughs> All right, please. We're about to take you off the fucking soundboard. <laughs> I told y'all. We're, we're five minutes into the fucking pod. <laughs> but yeah, drop the Twitter handle. The people need to know. All right, let me look it up, okay? It's, oh my gosh. Come on. Just got back two days ago. I'm on French time, baby. It's a little laissez-faire over here, bro. Come on. We don't really care about customer is, service Is this going to be the thing we got to hear your fucking ass talking? Let me tell you what I want. Speaking what I, French with your stupid I kind of want to hear that for like the whole episode. <laughs> you know what? But I think a better way to start off is uh, Kobe scratching. Is Kobe scratching good. us in. But a, a better, a best way to start off is um, a little gift huh? on behalf of... Espizia for the FCFC pod. Espizia? What is Espizia? For spice. That's some spice, baby. Oh, what? So I was able to stop by a wonderful footy vintage store recommended to me by no. the, non, the, the one and only Hyunte. Um, I'm going to narrate this. Josh just pulled out a bubble wrapped This is what they wrapped surprise it It's incredible. Pack. I thought it could uh, it could do us a world of good to have more gifts in our life and more presents in our life. Mm. And so the vintage store is called Lineup in Paris. And I went in there looking for kits, but the kits were completely unaffordable. Um, but I did start to see one of the the French mascots from '98, Footix, and I was like, I love this, I love this guy. This is my first World Cup ever. And do you have anything else in there? And he's like, I got just a thing. So we ran to the basement. And this is original packaging from 98 of the Footix mascot in some beer, milk drinking glasses. What? Of the lovely French mascot juggling the ball <coughs> in his head, juggling the ball and just naturally holding the ball up. And this is France 98. So I'm going to pass this around. I'm going to start out with Dweez because. Oh my God. Tell, tell me what uh, before I touch this, I think it's just going to have to play. <laughs> wow! I am touching Josh's glasses. He brought that shit back from Paris. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I've been taking it easy. I've been taking it easy on the board. You guys, I'm on the board today. We don't have a guest. This is just the three of us. We're gonna have a whale of a time, dude. This is incredible. This mascot is insane. 
I am holding World Cup history in my hands, and um, He's got the whole world. I think like everyone from Benny Thrifts who brought over his own collection of collectors' glasses to like everyone's childhood. He's got the whole uh, world in his hand. Everyone's childhood <laughs> jam jar that then became their favorite uh, cup as a child can just hold this and you know reminisce. But it's hard to beat France '98. You know, it kind of reminds me of those the McDonald's cup giveaways that that Hell yeah. Betty brought over. Yeah, kind of looks like the Kansas, the Jayhawk, Kansas Jayhawk. We got a Jayhawk, Jayhawk vibe. Did you? What was the name of the mascot again? Did you? Did you already? His name is Footix. Footix, which I believe is is fashioned after the French cock, the Gaelic bird, the Gaelic bird, which is appears on France's everything. Yeah, that's well, uh, wait, there's more. Well, that's beautiful. Um, Josh has more guys. We are footy collectors, and something <laughs> important to us are the are the pins hey. that we get to collect. So, I got an interesting set of pins, German. This first one's for you. It's a uh, it's a Bart Simpson bootleg. Bart Simpson holding um holding a surfboard. You'll get that in a bit. But the second one here is for Slim. And I want you to describe what you're seeing on the top pin above. My eyes are so bad. <laughs> Is that Camel Cigarettes? It's a Camel Cigarettes F1 racing hey. car. Wow. <laughs> After our beloved cigarette, Camel sponsored the pod. We'd love to have Yo, you. and uh, rumors of Porsche and Audi joining Ooh. F1. We are, things are about to change, guys. All right, so this bottom one's for Germ, right? That's the bottom one's for Germ. Because Germ's a power bottom. He is a power bottom. You're yeah, a power top. Can I, can I see and describe the Germ one a little bit? It's ex- exactly as Josh described. It's Bart Simpson. In a <laughs> 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 Nothing else to add. <laughs> but yeah, so that's for you. And Dweez, I, I couldn't find you. I was looking for an Arsene Wenger memoir. I couldn't find it. And I don't know what your relationship to tennis is, but I found this dope tennis pin that I want to give to you. Right <laughs> you know what? I've got a great relationship with tennis. Let yeah. me tell you guys about tennis. Yes, no, tennis pot, tennis pot, tennis pot. Oh, my pops was a tennis tennis man, so I I, I can throw a racket. You know what I mean? Hey. And I could literally watch my friends throw the racket at me when I'd beat their ass at tennis, and then they would throw the racket and break the racket, and we'd have to go buy a new one so we could go back and play next week, and I could whoop their ass. That's again. that's a great tennis history. I'm glad this is with you now. Yeah. It's is a Roland Garros Perrier pin where the winner. Ooh, Perrier! Guess what? My dad also loved Perrier. <laughs> he would drink that shit all the time. Not fuck with you guys in the garage. He had <laughs> crates of Perrier all the wow. time. I tried it for the first time, spit it right out because I thought it was disgusting as yeah. a kid. But he loved Perrier. So this is like uh, straight up. A Chris Dwyer shout out to Chris Dwyer it on the track. Looks like out. a little Chris Dwyer action with the, you know. God bless the dead. Yeah, man, that's fucking great. Thanks, Spice. So that 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 is the conclusion of it. But shout out to Lineup, the homie Lineup who helped bow, us bow, out. Bow. Thank you, Spice. Yeah, man. Wanted to wanted to give. Damn, that's really you nice guys, of you. Boys in the back. Yeah. I just brought hot. Can I not be entrusted with the fate of those glasses? No, because this if, is gonna if, stay here. Because you remember what happened with our last <laughs> gift that you brought us from Rome? <laughs> Toddy was separated in like four places. Oh man. Pretty sure like a week later. If if that Toddy was still here, then we would. Oh, it's still here. A, it's just it's broken still, to smithereens. That's, that's fine. That's fine. We what should have the Jenna. We could bring it back to life. We could bring both of them back to life. Ah, uh, uh, Jenna. Jenna's a little far gone. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to Jenna? I think she's paralyzed now. I don't know. Oh, fuck. I meant to bobble her, but Jenna, oh. for real? Yeah. She's paralyzed. I don't know. 
That sucked. Who knows? But um, yeah, I thought this would be a nice kind of keepsake for us to have on the pod too, man. The 98 World Cup is something I mentioned all the time as my first uh, football memory. So mm. wow. this is uh, important to us. Wow. Oh, what are we going to drink? We should drink French wine out of those glasses. We should. We probably need to dust it off for a while before that. But Yeah. Or do you leave them in the case? Do we leave it in the case? I think so. You leave it in the case. You don't actually drink out of it. A collectible must stay in the case. But there's no plastic. So is it, how collectible can it be? But it's still in there, I guess. Can you slip it out and put it back in? Does anyone have a shrink wrap machine that we could use real quick? To shrink wrap it after we drink. Oh, I bet. I actually bet you could take them out pretty easily and put them back in. But again, don't entrust me with this kind of stuff. I've never been good at collecting. I like the idea of collecting. I hoard, but I don't, Maintain you still have your foot, your soccer card, bro. That's the only thing I have in case <laughs> in safety. And I, of course, during the card craze, shout out to uh, our breaking yo, Benchy experience. legit took Just off with our money to Mexico. Yeah, you right? took <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did he do you still have money for the next break, too? <laughs> I gave him money for the next break. <laughs> Gee, Where's you know, our break, G? Yeah, he was like, no, no, we're doing like the big one, like the sevens or whatever they were called, like the, those like black and golds, Damn. the cards. I was like, ooh, okay, I'm going to give you 45 bucks. Kept your money. And then I was like, give me one of the Dorsum bucket hats because he made, and he's like, nah, man, I didn't end up making them. And I'm like, what? And I was like, dude, just give me You're my 45 bucks back G. then. <laughs> but now he's in Mexico drinking Mezcal with my uh, 45 bucks. What a piece of shit. <laughs> what was it? Kit. Kit exchange. Kit exchange. Kit exchange. So when we do our next uh, kit break, we'll whip these out and then pour some Bordeaux in there. What was your best wine of your trip? Uh, it was a Bordeaux. It was a Bordeaux. A lot of, lot of wines, I guess, from, from that region. And yeah, a lot of reds going swirling about. I think... Uh, Honestly, I, I chose the cheapest one in the menu that I could pronounce, and it's usually a Bordeaux, and it was great. So that's that's what it was. So you just kept going with Bordeaux because you knew. Yeah, yeah, I I, I knew I, I for a while just like a, I think I ordered a Sauvignon Blanc ones, and they kind of looked at me like, oh, we don't really order that here, but it's on the mm. menu. So I don't know. I mean, can I just say something about the, the the kind of cafe culture? Like, I was not prepared. Like, I was not prepared at all. I think the idea of like sitting at a pretty place and not being rushed to do anything is crazy to me. And although I think I like it in theory, I'm just like, wow, I really haven't seen my waiter in 35 minutes. One time, um, the waiter told me he'd take my, take, take an order from, for, for me. And then immediately went on a cigarette break, like on the bus stop right in front of the restaurant. And so he was looking at his phone smoking and we're just staring at him being like, Oh, we're just really gonna have to wait for him to finish the cigarette before he comes back here and takes our order. But outside of that, everyone was super friendly, and it was uh, it was great. It's just like a different different pace of life, and I I learned to respect it. That's that's the takeaway here. What was your most grading moment? Like your most challenging moment of the trip? Hmm. Saying no to cheese. No, I think the no cheese thing was fine. I think it really was like having to wait on people that are supposed to wait on you. Yeah, yeah. That was, so that moment, that. the bus stop moment. The yeah, bus stop that would have driven me there. crazy. Yeah, and I think it was just like, I think there was some like, if you're English speaking like first, then then like there was a, a kind of like being like, don't don't bother me right now kind of thing. Like I'll help you when I help you. 
But um, no, I'd say for the most part, everyone was super friendly. Like they wanted to know where we were about. Shout out BTS. They're doing us a world of good, Sam. Hey. I think um, just being out there and like being asked if I'm Korean first was like a new experience. Korea, number yeah. one country, mother asshole. And it, it was really cool. I think it was, uh, I don't know, man. It's just like being a part of like European travel is like just like, it sucks how much I felt welcome back at home when I like checked into customs here in the States, I just felt like, like I could finally like breathe. And I'm like, not, I wish I wasn't like that, but like, and I don't like love going flying into Newark, New Jersey. And that's exactly what we did. But there was just like being like handing the U S passport. There's no line for the U S passport line. Just walking there and being like, fuck, is this just kind of my lot in life? Like, this is what I, what, what, I, what I'm part of, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, Wait, so back up about the customs return. Yeah, it was yeah. what was your internal feeling? It was like a warm welcome back, or you were like, "Damn it, welcome back." No, it was like it was a it was kind of a, it was a warmer welcome back than than I had imagined in my heart. Like, was the passport guy chill? Yeah, he was chill. I think for it was more of like my own posture to be like, "Fuck, I'm back home." Like okay. I, I can walk with a certain like security back at home, even though I know that's like not completely true in a lot of different ways. Mm. Weird but you're now. but you're in New Jersey. That but was I'm the New point. Do you think if you had flown into like Dallas Fort Worth, you would have a different feeling? I don't know, man. I think I started walk. I think being like looked down upon as like an, an American in, in a certain way over in Europe, and like being kind of careful about that. To being like fucking proudly being like, here's my fucking U.S. passport. Like this is my damn country. All that stuff mm. and all that stuff that I don't believe in. There was some of that that trickled into my psyche and my, my brain. Like I remember like flying back from somewhere Korea one time and like seeing the huge like uh, huge um, f- American flag in the airport hangar and being like, "Fuck, glad to be home." And I'm like, "Damn, I'm that still that guy when I was fucking 16 flying back here, even though I know all this shitty shit about the country. It's something about being here for a while or being born here at least." It can be a mixed feeling, you know. It doesn't yeah. have to be one or the other. I most wish I most things are a mixed of the world. Most, mostly, it's ambivalence. You know, a little mix of everything. Yeah. Slim, how have your returns back to customs been through? Did you feel that warm welcoming back home? I can be rest easy again. Nah, if I'm coming back from vacation, I'm usually missing being on vacation by the time I get out here. Yeah. Um, but. I also, I think, like you said, it's a European trip might be a little different. You know, I think it, people don't like Americans. People look down on Asians. Yeah. So it's like it, this energy that we get, right? That's why I never really had any, like, desire to go to Europe. I'm like, you guys don't really fucking like me. Like, why would I give you my money? Right. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I could also see why, like, I think in, in our generation, it's, like, cooler to not be patriotic. You know definitely. what I mean? Oh, As definitely. an American. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, like this is still where we're from and, and who we are at the end of the day. Like we're we're very rare beat. We're we're Asian Americans, right? Which yeah. is yeah, it's it's different in its own sense. But yeah, I I I don't see anything wrong with that. And it's 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 comfort. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, like to that point, I think with that unique experience, I feel like every day in this country that I'll never be fully understood in my Asian American experience. But like when I'm abroad, like that experience, like it kind of like triples, doubles, like on me to be like, oh, these people like actually have no stake in anything like of uh, my own experience. And that's, that should be okay. Like I'm a fucking tourist entering their country. But I think the comfort level, maybe it's because I didn't travel too much as a, uh, as a kid. Like it's, 
yeah, it definitely felt like there's some some part of it like coming back home and 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 having data on my phone, which I hate. Like that was there was a comfort to that, you know. If you had gone for longer, does that do those things intensify? Like the re- arrival and the feeling of like unease about being in someone else's turf, yeah, or do you think it, or do you think it goes down? No, that's interesting because I do think after like two weeks, your kind of parameters shift, right? Your your mm-hmm. point of view shifts to be like, like I've even been gone from LA for two weeks, and it took me a while to get adjusted back into like my own apartment and like my own room and like just my car again. So like I think if anything past two weeks, I feel like. You just like your brain and your body has been so many different places that to like all of a sudden like throw yourself back into the norm of your normal things like it it'll take a longer time and maybe I wouldn't have felt as much um, yeah like oh like home this is kind of home home. What about you, Dweez? When you come back, what's what's what are you? Dude, I hate the fucking customs in the U.S. I've never. It feels like a morgue to me. Always feels cold. It feels like there's like these. The way that they design the floors and where the floor hits the wall, it's like this strange accumulation of dust and like disregard and like sneaker scuffs. <clears throat> and it just feels like it feels like a a bowling lane as well. Like the way that the ball just like deflects against the little curvature of the bowling lane. Uh-huh. It just feels like all these humans just like <laughs> like th- slide down this banister of uh of bureaucracy and it just it sucks every time and they always ask like some dumb question about something that i hate them asking about yeah and it's never like this easy i don't know it just sucks and multiple times having come back with foreign friends on the same flight or you know family members from abroad you get like as well like so much tension right 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 and like it just isn't like that when i've been entering other countries you know like a lot of times it's quite friendly and mm. exciting um so yeah it's once i'm like past i'm just talking about specifically like that gate you know, like yeah, the yeah, moment yeah. of customs and the custom officer. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like once you actually like get back in the country, it's whatever, you know, it definitely depends helped. on your mood. It but. definitely helped for me. Like the guy was a footy fan, okay. a young, young footy fan. His backpack was on the desk and his, his name was like Cohen Chow or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, and he's like, oh, are you Korean? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, we'll play you in the group stages in the World Cup. And it was just like kind of a weirdly friendly encounter. Young, that young That sounds cat. great. Yeah, working there and then like, you know, then he started asking questions like, you bring any presents? You bring any food? And I was like, no, no. There's a certain comfort of being like, they got nothing on me. Like, this is where, like, I've, yeah. I've never felt super fucking comfortable, like, in, in my own skin, even on the East Coast. But I was just like, at the very least, I know the law here. I don't know. It's it's, right. it's kind of a, a, a strange kind of uh, fucking um, purgatory way. But, like, you can be like, I got a ticket. I'm fine. So I think that they mostly think I have drugs on me. Like, no matter where I travel in the world, people ask me for drugs <laughs> or ask me where they can get drugs. And I think that that extends you to... You look like you would know where the acid's at. That extends to, like, these TSA officers, you know? And they're just, like, they grill me pretty hard. There was one time I forgot about an apple that I brought. I didn't even bring it. It was just in one of my 
flights in within China. I think I flew from Chongqing to Beijing. Yeah. And they gave me an apple in the flight and I just left it in my backpack. And then I was going through and they were like, okay, we're going to like look through your stuff anyways. I was like, okay. And they found the apple. They're like, what's this? I'm like, it's an apple. And they're like, you have to declare this. And I was like, why? <laughs> it just came from the plane. And he was just like, well, anything. And I had some some uh, global entry status or whatever at the time. Yeah, yeah. And they like threatened like, if this ever happens again, like you're going to lose that. And <laughs> just like this whole thing. It's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's long hair. Don't care. But you care about my long hair, you know? There's some like some some anti-hippieism. In there. I think so. I think so. And I and I think that like a lot of the countries maybe maybe it has something to do with the amount of time I spent in China and the amount of flights I came back from China with that people weren't like thrilled about yeah. China. Maybe, maybe. Um, but other times like going back and forth between Brazil, which I didn't do as much, and I went back and forth between Europe a lot. I don't remember like these warm times. Like you just described this guy who like loved yeah. football and you guys had like, a moment. Like another thing is they ask you what you do for work. Do they ever ask you guys that? No, not this time around. Like why the fuck are they asking me what I do for work yeah. when I'm just, you know, coming back and and if I mention like writing, then they start asking all these like and it's just like what? And you don't feel like you can actually like lie and just say like you, it's weird. It's like this quasi right. like. You know what's weird is when you fill out forms in America, and then the only thing they ask you on race is, "Are you Latino or not Latino?" <laughs> Does why that happen to you? Why do they do that on forms? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying on the form itself. Uh-huh. Not they don't verbally ask you that. No. Yeah. I don't know. You should you should ask a demographic person about these questions. But anyways, Sam, could you ever live as a I mean fucking expat somewhere and be like where everyone knows you're not from there, but you're kind of considered like a local at the same time? Do you feel like you, you'd want that status in any other country? I think I do well at acclimating. Uh-huh. So I don't think it would be like that challenging for me. Would I enjoy it? I, I don't know if I, yeah, I, I can't really imagine what that lifestyle would be like. Right. I, I was in, I was sitting across uh, in a cafe across like this old American American dude who was like obviously a regular there, like kind of knew all the waiters and like was speaking in English to like another American client kind of person. And then there was like you know like they there's a there's a romantic version of all like the the writers and artists from America right who who wrote in France and stuff like that. Who, they're kind of like a beloved part of the French culture. But I wonder what it, what that part what that threshold to break into that like acceptance of like not being from there but being welcome there or being part of there you know the language it's almost always the language in the countries I've lived in mm-hmm. if someone's proficient enough in the language you can you never will be that place you'll never be from that place obviously it's harder in like you know non you know, more homogeneous countries, it's harder to ever fit in, whatever. But if you're proficient enough in the language, you can like get around, do what you need to do. People will, you'll find like contacts and friends that you just wouldn't otherwise. And if you never speak the language, I think there's always going to be a barrier in between understanding and you're just going to miss nuances that Mm -hmm. you'd know. A lot of people don't want to hear that. And there were people who I knew that had lived in a ton of countries that I spent time in for decades even and then they didn't speak the language they might like have their way around but I feel like you're missing a pretty critical piece you know like 
you could ask the same thing for immigrants to the U.S. Like right. they probably know the immigrant communities here, but if you didn't like fully speak English all the way, could you like understand three as much of a three sixty view of this country? Probably not. Yeah. Right. Or there would just be aspects of, to it that you'd miss out on. But I think it'd be easier here than in some other places because certain other places the immigrant communities are tiny. Like if you only spoke Spanish and you lived in China. For instance, mm-hmm. like that would be very challenging. Right. But there's a small community, and if you're in Beijing, you could probably survive on your Spanish. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting what you said about the nuance of like the language and like kind of what it reveals to the 360 view of it. I feel I've, there was this lingering thought of being like, I work so fucking damn hard to understand the nuances of English and American culture that like being a part of somewhere else where like. I've only been to like Korea here and then like Mexico with with LAFC supporters, right? So it's like even with going to Mexico, like you have like that safety net of like going with like your family essentially, right? Like going with like hundreds of your family members. But um, there was a part of me that was like, damn, I got to do this all over again. Like figure out like exactly what the cultural differences are and understand like all the stuff that I, I struggle so much to learn as a kid. And um, I don't know. I was just like, man, I'm a little too old for that. Like all that shit. But if you if you got a job in France or your significant other moved there or someone in, you know, if there was a reason, like you asked Slim if would he want to live mm-hmm. in another country, like what would it like to be an expat? Like if there was a reason for him to do it and it like made sense for whatever, you know, you integrate and yeah. you find a way and I think like you have a choice to make at some point whether like you're gonna you gonna you feel like you're gonna be there for a while, you're either gonna like learn the language or you're not. Right. Um but yeah, I do think like you just miss out if you if you don't. But you also don't need to be like perfect in the language, and that's like another misunderstanding because no one's perfect even in their native language. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to like get everything right. But you know, dink around at the cafes and talk to your mates. Yeah, of course. Ah, the mates, the mates in France, the mates in France. Maybe Paris was the first country I ever went to. Paris was my first time out of the oh, U.S. First place I set foot as an eighteen-year-old man. And I'll that? tell that story in segment three. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll take our first break and be back with Slim's whatever. voice. Want to hear the difference between Slim's voice? <laughs> say it again. The fuck. Now say this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm so little, that's, I'm a little hoarse right now. That's what Carson will do to you. Just ruins you in so many ways. Fuck that place. We'll be right back. Back here, FCFC pod. Josh here is here to ask himself questions. <laughs> what do I want to know about me? Yeah, no, ask yourself, interview yourself for this second segment. I won't even tell you what to ask yourself. Josh, this is your first time as a full-blown adult to be on 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 a, on a trip without your parents, with without soccer-related reasons outside the country. What was it like to uh, to 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 seek out soccer on your own? Wait, Josh's friend it has something to say, which was, "No, you went to Paris because you wanted to go to PSG game." That's right. <laughs> so it was soccer related. It was soccer related. That's right, baby. It's always I, uh, soccer related. I was at the Parc de Prince. Parc de Prince. Parc de Prince. Um, Is that how they say it? If you say Parc de Prince, 
I think they hit the prance. They hit. They give you a little C at the end. Talk to prance. Talk to prance. 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 They they do the big. Ici say party. They do like that big call and response kind of thing. It's it's fine. This is Paris. This is Paris. Um, I was on uh, some 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 PSG English forum on Reddit before the game trying to figure out this if, is like uh, the day before the game the day before the game yeah okay. trying to figure out the, the you knew you wanted to context. go you didn't you didn't know yeah, if you guys were going to make it or like what was your so we had bought the tickets in ahead of, ahead of time shout out StubHub Europe for, for, for providing that but um and me providing the money for that like they did not provide it that's a fucking service here were you by the did you buy the front row I did by the front row. Wow. Yeah, I did by the front row. Um, I thought I should do it right if I was there. And I I wasn't, I, there was no standing section at all. So it was uh, PSG versus, I think, FC Nantes or something like that. Mm. They had like a, I think they had like their crest had a fish on it or something like that. It was, it was kind of stupid. But the away support, we were, our section was next to the away supporters. The away supporters were going pretty hard. Um, I think the PSG Ultras were feuding with the front office. And so uh, none of them showed up to the game. And uh, the only people who showed up to the game were about two people who I saw early, early on because I went there for kickoff um, for the pre match stuff. And they hung their TIFO upside down right away to, to, to uh, to uh, to kind of show to the protest, power. yeah, as a protest, I'm because sure. of the because they crashed out of the Champions League. This was the this is what the beef was about. No, I think it was probably more supporter stuff in terms of like either I know there's PSG supporters have kind of a tenuous relationship with the front office in terms of what's allowed, how many of them have been banned in the past, some of the stuff that you see in Italy, especially about like security protocol that's way too strict um, on people who have never been a criminal threat but are just passionate about it. So yeah, none of the PSG ultras were there, so it was kind of bizarre because you had the away support going pretty hard. They brought three drums in. Um, they 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 had all the kind of uh, they had like uh, streamers and everything, and they're they're going pretty hard. But the PSG ultras were not found. I was kind of looking forward to them. So but, that was that section just empty. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually the section. Um, they on the stadium they painted the seats. Uh, not painted the seats, but they had different color seats to, to kind of show off the Eiffel Tower on their crest on uh, top of their north end. And um, yeah, that whole top section where the supporters would be was empty. And so you got to see at least a clear view of the, the Eiffel Tower pattern there. But um, Is it the yeah. actual north end of the stadium where their supporters sit? It was either north or south, whichever one. Yeah, okay. but I don't know which one I was at. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I said it, we're, I mean, we were there to see one or two men. And that was, uh, I got to see fucking Leo Messi. You weren't there man. to see a whole, I mean, there's a that whole team stacked. I mean, I was, I was hoping to see, I would be happy to see one of them. I got oh. to see all three. So I saw Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, and um, man, it was glorious. Sergio Ramos had a cameo in the 80th minute. Um, they booed him. Uh, they also booed Neymar all game long, even after he scored two goals. And they booed Messi? They did not boo Messi, oh. and they did not boo Mbappe. They loved those two to death, and I think had they loved Kylian Mbappe so fucking much. Like, like the... Uh, the way that even like on on the only scale I have is like when Vela touches the ball and goes towards the corner, they're kind of like ah, in the crowd. Like every time Mbappe touches the ball, which was a beautiful fucking sight. Like they knew the the kid is special and they knew he's he's French, and so there was like a beauty about it. Like people really really loved him. Every time he scored a goal, like they would just start yelling Kylian, Kylian, Kylian the whole time. 
um he's he's from paris he's from paris as well yeah yeah and And he grew up like six miles away from downtown paris and i think that's such a beautiful thing it's there was to the point where he's so respectful about even all these probably foregone transfer rumors about um foregone conclusions about the rumors of him going to madrid this summer like he's been super respectful and being like parrot to make it sound like Paris is a real option this year and like he says it in, with such conviction that I don't know maybe maybe he stays there I think they, they know better than they know better than me but um, yeah seeing Messi introduce and seeing him play and, and dart across the field like I think this version of Messi is way different than the one I've seen on TV but he still scored a goal had an assist and, scored um, a great goal yeah scored a great goal just slotted in top, like top of the net and on um, your side yes Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in the front row. Front row. Messi bangs one in the net right in front of your grill. Yes. That's incredible. Uh, come on, come on. Like let's let's put that in your sports hierarchy of moments. Like no, where really does that is. is that like live sports moments that Josh Spice has experienced? Yeah. You okay, let's leave out LAFC on this because I think LAFC would take so many of those. Right. Um Yeah, it's it's up there, man. The first I saw, the first time where I was like, I mean, I was a huge baseball fan. I all my early memories are of like I saw A Rod doing a walk off grand slam, like and the tenth inning in the rain in Yankee Stadium, like it was fucking beautiful. Um, I saw when I saw Cristiano and Giggs play in Korea for a friendly, mm. and, and this was Ronaldo, like young Ronaldo, right when he's about to hit his prime, like, and we were. So, so high in the bleeds but to see him from that angle you're like wow God is really pulling him on strings like the way that he's moving throughout the pitch and then seeing Messi now as kind of someone who like has gotten to know the culture of sport better and know the importance of this man on the on, on the pitch not just like oh my god like is he just the best player but like historically this is one of the greatest players of all time and like seeing the way that he kind of like stalked around the field but and, and touched the ball and like I think it was like you can't help but feed off of everyone's reaction. It's it's such wonder. Like they grown men are just waiting for this guy to do something amazing. And I, I don't I don't know how many times I felt that in my life. Like yeah. being like everything that I can believe in right now, I put my hopes on this man. And I'm sure Argentina fans felt that. I know Barcelona fans have had that for their entire entire lives. But like to see that up close and being like, he's gonna score. He's gonna score. Like with such such truth and validity to that, uh, I can't imagine. I can't remember another another. It was like seeing Michael Jordan. Like if if I had seen Michael Jordan, yeah. And Mbappe is that next up man. You know, you got to see in the same game like the player who's been doing it for mm. so long, and then the guy who's probably going to do it for so long. Yeah. How Mb- how Mb- was that? Yeah. Mbappe was just clearly on a different level than everyone else on the field. Like it was just. The way that he he glides, the kind of the, it's n- not not as much, I think dribbling technical finesse, but the idea of change of direction and change of pace in such a graceful but also like fucking murderous motion, like, and the dude just fucking glides, like that's that that's like that's what it, he covers so much ground, um, and every ball that you think is impossible for him to catch, he he catches like, like those are the kinds of people that so you it was, write it was like the speed. About. Because yeah, the just, speed of, of Mbappe was just like astonishing. The speed of it. And it, he was literally like, it felt like a fucking Allen Iverson crossover. The way that he would like cross people up, like dribble over people and then just shift direction. Like literally like left guys on skates the way that we talk about in basketball. Like defenders were shooting the opposite direction as soon as he kind of changed his hips around. And then um, fucking clinical too. So it's just, 
it's it's I think it's a difference between watching like that player glides and then like then like a Lewandowski who's just like a murder in front of the box in the box like just watching Mbappe like move and get to all his spots and to um not only like understand like spatial awareness like really nerdy shit but like the dude fucking believes he can do anything like and he actually does it it's like guys who run with that kind of confidence is like that's why he's one of the best in the world and hopefully i've i've saw the next all-time great he's on that track right he kind of has qualities of of ronaldo and messi in one player because he does have like you mentioned like this 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 shifting of the hips and just like he has some trick trickery mm-hmm. but he has that like power and speed yeah. that Ronaldo is known for and then that like just that ruthless intent that I think Ronaldo Ronaldo is known for known for but Mbappe does have like the playfulness of Messi too yes he does you know i mean the debate is always like Mbappe or Holland yeah. but like Holland doesn't have a lot of other skills outside of his like main set where i feel like Mbappe is just like he has so many yeah. So many things he could do to you and how, how so many ways he could hurt you. He could pick up like incredible ultimate shielding of the ball, like world-class shielding of the ball like tomorrow and I'd be like, yeah, of course, like that's within his like arsenal to do. Yeah. And this this might be a, a, like a lazy comp, but I wanted to ask you, do he's like, because he, I mean, he's French, he's a black striker. Like does that, does he give you any on revives at all about just like the way that he he can run and the way that he can finish? For sure. And he, I mean, he has, he has qualities of like, so many of the best attackers we've ever known, right? Um, I haven't watched enough PSG games to know like how much of a poacher he is. Like you mentioned, you know, or you know, we could talk about Lewandowski. Lewandowski is not like a true poacher. He does sort of like he's like a wide receiver. He he runs like certain routes really well, and then mm-hmm. just puts the ball away. Um, but like Rude Van Nistelrooy, you guys remember right, Rude right, Van Nistelrooy? Right. The way just he was just, shoot, yeah, he was just a poacher, and he could he could be in the strangest, squirreliest positions. I mean, Chicharito's in a way similar. Like, I don't know if Mbappe, how many of those situations he's in, and like if he has just those instinctual finishes as much. But in terms of moving and scoring, mm-hmm. which is like very much an Henri thing, very much a Lionel Messi thing, very much a Ronaldo thing, like move, move, make a choice try to finish. Yeah. Like Mbappe has like it in every capacity that I can think of. So yeah, he does remind me of of Henri. I would say he definitely has a higher ceiling than Henri. Oof. Henri was the best player that played in the Premier League, arguably. Um or he had the best you could say he had the best career in the Premier League. If Ronaldo if Ronaldo had stayed yeah if, if Ronaldo had stayed in the Premier League, maybe Ronaldo's career in the Premier League would eclipse Henri's. But right, right. most people think that Henri had like overall like the best career it's in the Henri Premier and League. Alan Shearer, right? That's what the, the yeah. two first inductees, right? Strikers, right. longevity. Yeah. But Mbappe just seems like he could be yeah. He could be the only player around that could touch those two. So that's so I mean, the fact that you gotta see him play at this stage with those players. Yeah. I mean well lost- worth the ticket right there. <laughs> I mean lost in the fucking shuffle of the first two I mentioned who I, I was there to see was like Fucking Neymar. Neymar had two goals. Like, did did was Mbappe had two assists? Yeah. So he assisted one of Neymar's goals and Messi's goal. Yeah, and then yeah, the one the Messi finish that he had. Wow. So I mean, the the three up top. I'm just like, 
I wish we saw them on on. I guess PSG made the final. What was it two years ago? The Champions League final two years ago. Yeah, against Bayern. Yeah, against Bayern, and they lost that. But I'm just like, we need just this is the most beautiful football I've seen. In I know. My life. I mean, I'm bummed that Benzema had a career day that day when Real knocked them out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like happy to see PSG fall because they're like Galacticos vibe. They collect all the good players. Like right. they want to see them fail. Um, but as someone who like loves watching attacking football, you can't not want to watch like these three talents, right. you know, play together because in all likelihood they won't be together for very much longer. No, probably not even past this season. Um, I don't know, Slim. What do you what do you have to say about this Parc de Prince Parc de Prince visit? Prince. You've been to the Dortmund Stadium. the The big difference to me looks like I haven't been to either of those stadiums. No, I have not. Uh, but no, I have been to the Dortmund. One. No, I haven't. Uh, is the nearness. This, the Dortmund Stadium is really close. This was more like an open air, big. Yeah. Was there a track? There's a track in between? Yeah, there's not a track, but there's a big media area right before uh, the, with separating the field, the pitch, and the stands. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the gameplay from Dortmund, I don't really remember much. I was just like. You're absorbed with the supporter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hamburg supporters are right under us. And, you know, the the yellow wall across the way and you just kind of, you know, it's probably a, what a lot of people feel like when they first visit the Bank of California, right? Like, yeah, most of the time people aren't going to remember what happened on the pitch. It's, right, it's right. The, the feeling you get from when the supporters are going. And yeah, I'll never forget that. Um, but it's also interesting, you know, like you, you got to see the opposite end of that where the supporters are are making their stand. They're making their statement. You know what I mean? And, totally. And that's dope. And, you know, I I hope, you know, the 3252 never has to do that. But it's also, that's also part of, like, the history of a lot of supporter groups, right? At some point, you got to take a stand. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about it, too. Like, this, so first, the fans booed a lot. Like, not even supporters. Why? They booed a lot. Every time Neymar touched the ball, the Parisian fans booed. Um when Ramos stepped on the field, I think because he's been injured the whole season, they booed him. Uh, so with, without the supporters, there's plenty of booing and negative energy going around, um, except for when Kylian and Bobby touched the ball, right? He could do no wrong. But um, I thought about that. I'm like, for for these supporters, right? Like Paris, while they had their their starlets and they had like you know great players in the past, like there's a huge Ronaldinho mural outside as well. But like this is th- the best version of the team on pitch that you've ever seen in your life. Where I thought about that as supporters, like if our number one ob- objective is to support on what's happening on the pitch and, and helping them and cheering them on, like what do we make a stand for? Like where where where's that line for us when it's like if LAFC is actually winning and winning in, in such style, like can we truly have it all together? You know, and mm. I think as we go along this experience, the more of the situation will arise. Do we see that all the time? Like after the first wave of um, LAFC front office hires and just employees in generals, you know, fade away and, and take on, and maybe it becomes more. It most definitely will become more watered down into who takes over reins of supporter relations or or even like marketing and stuff like that. Like, what do we stand for if we hope that the LAFC product on on field continues to shine? Right. Yeah, I mean, I we're in season five. What is season 15 going to be like, you know? Um, 
who's going to be leading on the supporter side, who's going to be involved on the club side. What's interesting is like nothing's guaranteed, you know, just as a team on the field needs to continually bring in new players, the coaches need to continually have like solid training sessions. Like there's no finish line for community building. Yeah. There's no finish line for something that by definition is only meant to like keep going, right? <laughs> so like I'm sure there's going to be ebbs and flows and just different, you know, different times there'll be different people with different ideas. And you know, like what what Slim got to witness and so many of the 3252 leadership got to witness in Dortmund is like how can you continue to have a culture and a community that is of a certain caliber for how many, you know, 100 years, we'll say? More. It started in 1909. Yeah, so 112 years, 114 years now. And, you know, I, I, you can tell me better than, than anyone, Slim, like, what, what, what did they tell you it took to do that, to keep it going? Um, I mean, th- when they were going bankrupt, supporters put together an album of, of their songs and chants and sold that to raise money for, you know, for the club. And, um, you know, like shout out our guy Olaf. We, we always, everyone that's met him always jokes around like, yeah, the guy's, He's definitely marked someone in the name of Torment. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it, you know, and, and it's a different culture out there. And, um, you know, the way the way they move around, like, is different. So, it, it you know, gang culture as we know it came from L.A. But gang culture in the rest of the world comes from football and their supporters, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, um, you can only imagine what, the type of passion you have for a club when like you're literally putting your well-being on the line in the name of that club, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the the darker side of that towards the club is like what they expect of the club and what they're willing to do to get that, you know, is probably a bit more extreme than than, you know, in comparison like the 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 fluffiness of like you know, what support is here, right? Um, but that's also the dope part about it is we can kind of navigate around all that, you know, the the nastier bullshit side of of that supporter culture and kind of You could take the you could take the best things and you could leave behind what yeah, isn't yeah. isn't gonna be helpful. I mean the other part is clubs that have had that long history also like they went through periods where like, you know, the world is a different place, mm-hmm. straight up, you know, and you had different access than you'd have now. And so whatever happens going forward for all clubs is going to have to take into account just like the way that, you know, a bunch of people from Los Angeles went to a Dortmund game. Right. Like that's not a thing that happened in the 1960s in Dortmund, right? Probably. And in, in our case, as a global city who wants to be like welcoming of all these different cultures and ideas it's not going to be this like uniform thing and it shouldn't be I mean Mo was always a huge champion of like Los Angeles having all these different facets to it and wanting to have places for all that in the stands but naturally like you know different kinds of people are going to have different kinds of ideas and they're going to disagree and I don't know I I think 
for you, I wish you could have seen the PSG fans in full effect. Yeah, me too. Because it could have been like a adding that in-person experience to like one of the biggest and most influential supporter groups in like the f- forefront facing teams in the modern game, right? Like right. I don't think that there's a lot of teams right now who are at the top of the league in their respective leagues that have as much of like a force as PSG and PSG and Paris being a super diverse city has like probably like a ton of of the same challenges that like a club like LFC has obviously different scales but to integrate all these different voices blah 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 yeah and um, I think PSG is a good case study for for just even an, not an LFC model but like the club's not very old at all right it's like founded in the 90s in this iteration of it and so 70s I thought it was the 90s no I don't know. Maybe you went there and not me. (laughs) I mean, it was it was really recent, and like they, I think what you said about Mo was interesting too. I think along that line is like, just like we need new songs every year to keep things fresh. Like things need to change and look different, right? Like, and we just had Christian Christian Lau on here um, last week or a couple weeks ago, talking about like how they're going to make the stadium experience better, you know. And I think our job as supporters, like, how do we make the supporter experience better for all people who want to be supporters, and not only that, but for the rest of the stadium. But at the same time, like the PSG ultras are probably f- facing a lot of the similar things. Like, hey, this is the best product we ever seen on field, but like they're global, like this is like a global marketing reach about how this is put together. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people got left out, some people got kind of left out in the rain um, in this incredibly diverse city. Like this, the ultras were at, this, at the forefront of it when PSG was not really relevant, even when an incredibly relevant city. And so for them to maybe feel like phased out in a certain way, I've heard that in the past as well about, about the Parisian ultras. And I don't know, I just find that interesting because like, I'm like, wow, like, LFC's taking they're they're like Adidas's baby in a lot of different ways, you know. Like the scale of stadium is different. The scale of the importance of the priority of the sport in the country is different. But at the same time, like LFC is trying to new and innovative ways through branding, through marketing, as some people say, to to bring new eyes and and money into into this club into this sport. So I I found it like a really like shit like what would what would it take for us to do something like that you know I would I think hanging the TV upside down is like something that hopefully we'll never do and that's like incredibly disrespectful in all cultures so for for me to see that I was like holy shit it must have been something really bad yeah. but um so I guess that's what also I was yeah. alluding to I'm like in a way I'm glad I'm glad you got to experience that part of it too because not that many people do I mean most of the games people went to this season there were supporters singing and yeah it was sort of like normal in that sense but you got to witness like what it looks like when the vacuum of it right yeah and i and i do think you know especially in lafc's case this was always like the gamble and the promise for the club which was like the promise is we were going to always like try to work with you guys and integrate you guys and the gamble was like well if it doesn't work out and you're known in the city for your live experience and people come to the game to talk about the 3252 if for one game, the whole 3252 wasn't there right, right, and that right. was just blank, like that statement would be, would speak so many volumes right. and it would be just such an untenable place for them. You know, they would probably try to find some way, you know, hopefully it wouldn't get to that point, right? But, you know, keeping each other honest, right? Like as a business, as a club, they they can't do everything, right? Like it's silly to think otherwise and just as like, a, a suited like sports guy doesn't get the culture like a 
fucking diehard like supporter fan also doesn't get the sports business right (laughs) like they don't understand career mode on fifa like right exactly fired from career mode on fifa like this is like maybe supporters shouldn't be in in the front office doing everything but it's but but to have the two check each other and the balance between the two and the dialogue between the two and the dance between the two and to be able to like respectfully and you know disagree with each other but come back and sort of work on it together the promise is like we're we're married. <laughs> like, we're working together. Right. Um, that's what a s- club, a supporter-centric club means. Because, like, to peel yourself away from that identity at this point, you know, would be very difficult for a club like PSG. How are they going to, what are they going to do, you know? What's anyone going to do if, like, your supporters become such a big part of it? And, you know, what are you going to do as supporters? Like, are you really going to walk away from your club? Like forever, you know? (laughs) Like if you love it that much and you spend, I mean, imagine the generations of Parisian fans, like are they really going to walk away? Right. But there's that that's happened, right? Like, I mean, walk away for good. Yeah, like Man United supporters who no longer support United. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they actually started like a like a Sunday league club that turned into like a low, low division like club called United Manchester or something like that, yeah. right? Just be like, the Glazers ownership is such a disgrace to everything we stood for as a club and as a country for all these years. Like we're gonna, I can no longer support them. Like, holy shit, you know, like Chelsea fans are going through that as well, right? I right. heard a lot of, I mean, American Chelsea fans are thinking a little different, but uh, like English Chelsea fans who like made I content around the club, like the Roman Abramovich, all the dealings right now and understanding like, Man, this gave this guy gave you the best football that the club has ever seen and made you a world force, but at what cost? You know, and some people step away, most people stay. And mm. they bicker and they they talk about it. But yeah. there is a threshold and there's a breaking point for that stuff. My boy Roger Bennett, you know I'm a big fan of the Men and Blazers podcast. He always talks about uh football being global football being a mirror. It shows all the ugliness and all the beauty in like our society, world global society at large. Like shows all the gross shit. And I think that like no one can, there is no righteousness seeking Mm. in football that makes sense to me. Like you can't just, like every club has a commercial interest. Every, you know, all the owners have like some things about them, right? Like it's, it gets into messy territory if you try to play like the moralistic argument with a lot of this stuff. And so, I don't know. Maybe that's why our podcast is a culture pod. We like to talk about like, you know, the people that we get to be around because at the end of the day, people are like a giant gray area. Not everyone's like good or bad. And there's these, you know, just these little individual parts of people. And I don't know. In a way, I'm like, like I said, I'm glad you saw what you saw. I was, I had a chance, I think I've probably talked about on the podcast before to see a team get relegated for the first time in their 100-something-year history, Vasco da Gama in Brazil, which is one of the big four teams in Rio. I, I was there the day they got relegated. And to see a club get relegated that I had like only recently, maybe six months earlier, started following and like really you know loving and going to a bunch of matches with a bunch of Vascaínos in Brazil and like feeling that, like I could feel what it meant, but to see the scenes of what it meant yeah. is something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And I think it helped me understand on like a really deep level, you know, something that probably a lot of the folks who supported Chivas USA understand. Like, what does it mean for your club to actually die on you? Like to actually disappear. Mm. You know, not a lot of people will go through that in their whole lives. 
And so what that does to a person, what that does to a football fan, I think is, is, is something to be grateful for in the sense of like, y- you've now reframed what that means. Mm. And, you know, to an extent, you're, you've now reframed what it means to be a football supporter because you've seen, you know, on, on the highest level with the bi- best players in the world, the future generation, the, the past generation, like that the culture is still willing to make a stand. Which I think is a beautiful thing. And on that note, we'll take our second break and be back with some tea time with Dweez. Tea time. We're back. Tea time with Dweez. Just the three boys tonight. Oh, how's that? Got some green tea if I've ever tasted it. He's correct. Was it some green tea if you've ever tasted it too, Sloan? I, I was. I was Sam always we fucking guesses duck shit tea now, bro. <laughs> so it's that time of year. You know the green teas are coming out. The hot fucking green teas are coming out. Eman got her her new shipment in. You know, I had to go over there. I drank with her for four hours the week she got these in. I drank nine green teas, no. half of which she didn't no. even decide to buy. Go home, fool. Dude, it was <laughs> such a good Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> hey, but even for these super rare green teas, uh, so for the, for our listeners, Dweez actually does the, you pour out the first method methodology here. But even for like the really rare stuff, even for the very expensive stuff, you you feel like that's necessary? Well, if you give me one second as I pour this up. Some fill in the air time. Fill in the air time. Look at this stuff. <laughs> Isn't it neat? Keep your cup closer to my teeth. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so here's the deal with uh, with tea and serving Gong Fu Chao tea as you guys experience it. You also want to keep the cup warm. So you don't want to, you want the cup to be temperature, the same temperature as, so when you like wash a tea, it's not just the tea that you're washing. You're also like warming Ooh. all the vessels. So they're like ready to like, yeah. you know, so there's a lot more to it. There's also like the ritual aspect. But especially when I'm drinking with other people, like when I drink this tea alone, I'll drink it mugged which means kind of like just in a cup by itself and just keep flowing, filling up the water. And I never wash that. Uh-huh. So I don't like wash it beforehand. It's just using it like the Gung Fu style brewing. You want to wash it first. So what do you think of this, by the way? It's so nice in the cold right now. Yeah. It's so nice, isn't it? So fresh, fresh green teas, especially if you can get them like really soon after they're plucked and, you know, don't wait like halfway through the year. They're just nothing like it. Nothing like it. And... Yeah, so go go to teahabitat.com and buy one of them 2022 greens. Any of them are good. This one's from Emeishan, which is in Sichuan province. Little bit of trivia for all those ke- keeping up on their dweez history. Mm. The first time I ever saw a tea garden in my life was at this mountain when I first moved to China. And I was going to the Buddhist mountain. It's one of the four famous Buddhist mountains of China. And I was going up a gondola and I'm like, what the f- there's a bunch of tea bushes right there. And they're like, yeah, they make a tea here. 
and that's what we're drinking what right now. What a visual picture. What a beautiful visual picture you just painted for us right there. That's You're going up a gondola and you saw a tea farm and chose to stop. So how do you know what a tea bush looks like? Just the way that they're cultivated, like in the rows that they're cultivated in. Mm. And then there were people who were actually plucking because it was the springtime when I was there. So you got the sense like, I had seen pictures and I had already, I had already started to like tea quite a bit at that point, but I hadn't like gone to gardens and like, so I'd seen pictures, you know, of tea farmers in the fields farming tea. You know, it's that like waist high bush that's sort of like cut in a certain way in mm-hmm. certain rows, sort of terraced out. And um, those teas from Sichuan, which is like in the s- southwest of China, they're some of the first that come out every year. I could get really deep into this if you guys want me to, but I think what I really want to do with this segment is tell my Paris story. Hey. And the only way we're going to be able to do that, Josh, is if we start with a little of... What I still believe is probably the best album in French rap history, Le Fiat des Nours, by my boy Roth. Let's hear it. Hit it. Oh, that's Jeezy. <laughs> Wait, how is Jeezy doing it? I want everyone to listen. Listen for that. Uh, just that first bar here. Succession de drame, de quoi faire chialer Mary Jake, je suis monstrueux comme moi reste moi Amélie C'est le son que je mérite Comme Tony Parker, on me dit pas en Amérique Wow, what did he just say, Josh <laughs> Tony Parker Tony Parker Yeah, when I heard that line, I knew I lost my shit I knew I had the hottest album in Paris right there, baby I knew I had it, I bought it at, I think, like Tower Records I went, into the, I went into the place and bought that shit Cause it was hot. That's a t-shirt right Okay, so this is a new segment called React to the track that Dweez plays when they're just alone with their mates drinking tea. Mm-hmm. What's your first reaction, Slim? Um, that's a very West Side Connect gang type beat. Gang, 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 gang. gang. Um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I, because of my recommendation that's going to come up later, I've you know been dabbling in a little bit of more uh, rap. From Europe. Oh. So, well, not not really though. I just, it, my friend threw it on and I was like, ah, it's not bad. Tease him, Slim. Tease him. Tease him. Um, yeah. Spice, what did you think? Man, I'm, I'm loving the the kind of, I, I, I'm a sucker for rap beats with keys on it. And this is the French keys. We're playing a little accordion over here. So this is uh, close to my heart. This is the, you know, it's kind of a Paris connect, you know? It's a Paris recollection. What is the, damn it, I don't remember the name of that. Is this Champs-Élysées? Where they have the, the, the tower gate in the middle of the road? Is that the Champs-Élysées? I'm going to say yes. Or is, is that the... The road with the, the little tower thing? Is that is that where the Arc de Triomphe is? Oh, he's sitting. Oh, so he's sitting on it on the album cover. That's my point. Let's go, baby. It's fucking sick album cover, bro. It's like Burna Boy bit this album cover for 
his Nigeria. album this year, and this was like 20 years ago. You know? We're gonna come. We're gonna get the Nigerian hitters coming after us now. As Dweez is brewing his tea. Um, yeah, did, like, were, were there any like night spots that you guys went to where you listened to a little bit of the local music out there? Yeah, there's uh, a couple of the bars. There was like kind of the thing is like most of the bars we were right next to was uh, that heavy Euro synth kind of uh, club music. Mm. Um, that one was pretty intense, like house house music where people were like getting down but not in in like a sexy way i felt like probably very heavily drug induced mm. um but uh you know what i think some of the bars were just playing too much uh american hip-hop man i think it's just like they they had the spotify playlist going on and i still remember there's so much travis scott <laughs> all, all across paris and i'm like oh it was just a little more coin and charming than that but you're uh, like no the, you should have said you should play some rough i'm like what y'all know about this one this is the second song on the album. It's called Nouveau. Nouveau. The music's way louder than her voices. You're giving our sound engineer some some bullshit he got to deal with because because of your madness right now. I apologize, sound engineers <laughs> everywhere. Uh, so I want to tell a story today. Hit him. That story is called <laughs> Dweez in Paris. Now that we've heard Spice in Paris. Mm. So the first time I ever left the country uh, was because I got tickets. I was 18 years old, just graduated high school, and I got tickets to the Euros in Portugal, 2004. Got one game. Ended up being, it was a quarterfinal, but it ended up being uh, the Netherlands against Sweden in a place called Faro, which is in the further south of Portugal in the Algarve. But before that... I needed to fly in somewhere. And my aunt, Moira, RIP Moira, Adam's mom, she, shout out to, to the Dirty Boy episode, um, she had a French friend who lived in Paris who was willing to host my friend and I. And we got off the plane and this woman had just the most crooked teeth anyone that's ever had. Had my name on a sign. Oh. It's 2004. I hop on the train with her and the first like guy I see is reading a newspaper and on the front was like, you know, it's like, this is all about the French national team. And I was just like, fuck, I'm in this world. I'm an 18 year old adult dweez who just graduated from high school. I'm out here in this world. And it was the fucking coolest week of my life you know like I did so many had so many moments that like changed my entire life on that trip and um, the first of those big moments I'm just gonna tell two three I'll tell three this is right after Ronaldinho got sold to Barcelona and so PSG had just lost like their first ever big player because Ronaldinho really made himself a name in global football at PSG. And um, I was just so hungry to like experience the city and, and you know, Rolf seeing that album go up and going to the, to the place, buying it, starting to listen to it like right away during yeah. the trip and like letting that puncture my trip like really was a thing. I didn't go to the Louvre. I didn't do any of the things. I didn't even have a guidebook. I didn't know shit. I left the apartment and I would just start walking. 
And that first day, like proper day that we were out there, you know, after you stop wigging out about the fact that the doorknobs are different and the yeah, light yeah, switches yeah. are different and the <laughs> and the plugs and everything's like, oh my god, I'm, I'm, fucking, I'm in outer space, you know? You can't understand anything anyone's saying and you're just a complete idiot. I saw this tour bus like driving around with like a bunch of beautiful European girls and they all were waving out the window at my friend and I. They were so beautiful and I was just like, oh man, this is like our first yeah, chance it's... to really like, you know, meet some girls. I'm wondering where they're going. They're, they're probably going to stop soon. So we start kind of like walking quickly towards the bus. Yeah. But then like, I don't know what came over me. I think it was just the excitement of being there. I just started following this bus and my friend couldn't keep up. And so like I had no, we didn't have cell phones and I just ran after the bus and I left my friend behind. I shit you not, I ran after this bus for like 40 minutes until it finally Louise stopped. This was a horny piece of shit. Well, they kept egging me on too. The girls were just like, yeah, like they were, they, the, they were all watching me chase wow. the bus. Like this was all happening. Like they were in the back of the bus like waving, right? And I chased them through the city. Uh, my friend's completely gone. <clears throat> and I had just given up on him. I didn't have anything, like uh-huh. no way to know. I, I didn't even know like how to get back to her. It was just, you know, it was like traffic. It was, it was a mess. Um, but the bus finally stopped. And they, were, they stopped at like a food court shopping district area. And they're all there, right? And like, especially like these three that were like, you know, that knew who I was, like the guy chasing them or whatever. And I came up to them and none of them spoke English. And they were like, I think they're from Belgium. Uh-huh. And it was just like this awful, was like <laughs> awkward. There's nothing ever as awkward as oh, this like no. encounter. And I was just like sweaty. I just like ran after them. <laughs> I had nothing to offer or say or, or like suggestions. I was just like, kind of just sat there and stared at him for a second <laughs> and just walked away. You know, that was the end of that. I, it took me a couple hours before I like, I made it back. My, you know, one of my friends found me, he was so upset. He was just like, what were you thinking? And I like, tasted that first taste of just like, just total madness. Like that would define my next 15 years of life. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. And um, what the fuck, dude? So that was the first scene. Loved it. Yeah. So I just, I love just like that city pulsing through my veins as uh, I ran around it, chasing women that I never had anything to offer to. <laughs> You're a psycho. Dogs chasing cars, man. For real. <laughs> so the second thing that happened was the next day. And I don't know what came over me either of these times. These weren't premeditated things. The next day I was out. My friend wasn't with me. And a guy came up to me, an American guy, asking, like, oh, excuse me, like, do you speak English? Do you know where the post office is? And again, don't know what came over me. But I was like, I just said, like, a bunch of French soccer players' names in a row. I was like, and I just said them in a row, and I pretended I didn't understand him. I don't know why. I was just like, I was like, and I just, and he just like, oh, he doesn't speak any English and just like walked away. And I felt so powerful, powerful? to trick yeah. someone, like to just trick them, you know? <laughs> like I just you tricked this guy. I, I was so thrilled. Loki I here. was thrilled with this. I mean, I didn't know where the post office was anyways. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah, like yeah, I yeah. It was like I live in Paris and could have helped this guy out. I didn't know shit. 
but like it was him and his daughter and they were just like, oh, this, you know, local French guy probably treating Americans not nice, you know, or whatever. And I was just like, and I was like, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And he just totally bought it. And um, that made me feel so powerful that I could like be whoever I wanted, you know. Very Which also experience. would come in handy many, many times uh, over the next 15 years. You and I've, little swindler, you. <laughs> okay, okay, fair, <laughs> fair. In, those er- in that era, yes, I was. Um, and the third memory was drinking wine, hmm. which I was not fond of at all. And being the two words that Slim mentioned, I was not going to pay the exorbitant prices that I felt at the time mm-hmm. as a poor 18-year-old sure. to drink wine in a cafe, fancy Josh style. That's right. So I went to the convenience store with a couple of girls I met, Ah. bought some wine, hated the taste of it. Horny swindler, yeah. Bought a sucker, chased the wine with a sucker. So I would like just like, you know, drink the <laughs> wine and then put the sucker in my mouth, drink the wine, put the sucker in my mouth, put, drink the wine, put the sucker in my mouth. Oh, uh, you classless horny swindler. <laughs> and to add to the classlessness, of all the beautiful women I could have met in Paris, the girls I ended up hanging out with were from Stockton, California. Hey. <laughs> Shout out to Diaz Brothers. Let's go. Stockton. Uh, yeah. And I left, this, I left this guy's bar. He was obsessed with Marseille. Uh-huh. He was a Marseille fan. He had Marseille things all over. I could show you. I'll show you a photo after this um, of my friend like lifting the Marseille scarf with him. But those are my Paris stories, and they're so dear to me. You know, they're so like close to my heart. They changed my life, and um, so desperate, and so beautiful, and so. And it was just desperation and ugliness, and all the things, ah, and, so and I've never been back to Paris since. In 2004, that was my only time I'd ever gone. So I didn't, I didn't end up going to Parc des Princes. And after that, I went to Portugal and you know, went to the games and sung in the streets when England lost to Portugal on penalties with all my Portuguese people. Oh, where do we go from there, Sam? That was just story time along with tea time with Dweez. Yeah. I, I wish I didn't give myself fucking 40 minutes to tell very mundane stories about eating croissants. <laughs> did you say you wish you didn't or yeah. you wish you did? Yeah, I wish I didn't. Oh, you wish I, I wish would? You, I wish we had, we had led with Dweez first. Oh, you're no, I thought your stories were fantastic. I thought you were saying my stories were oh, mundane. No, 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 no. You're not anything but that. <laughs> Holy fuck. Oh, man. I think the the moral here yeah, what is the moral? From the that? moral here is like, get on a fucking plane Ooh. and take some chances, you know? Especially if you're younger. I'm 36 now. It's just, damn, it's half my life ago, 18. Half my life ago that this story, these stories in Paris happened. And, um, you know, I'm sure I could still do it. And I'm sure that the whole ageism thing is, well, whatever. If you're young and you're, part of our community just like get on a plane go places go. you'll never regret it I was so broke for so many of those trips I don't recommend getting into debt but if you gotta get into a little <laughs> bit of debt it's probably gonna be worth it um, discover card sponsor the pod yeah just like go for it man like go check it out like run after the bus you know Ooh. run after the bus it's carrying some ladies on there it's carrying some hopes and dreams and possibilities on there even if you don't know what the hell you're going to say in the end maybe they'll speak English maybe you'll time. maybe you'll tell the story for the first time ever on a podcast 18 years <laughs> from now i don't think i've ever told anyone that story in really? my life about chasing the girls 
It's I forgot story. about it for like more than a decade. <laughs> I think I was embarrassed about it for a lot of years because of like just how ridiculous and yeah, over the top yeah, it yeah. was. But and, you, and you're kind of a bad friend. <laughs> to be fair, no, no, there's no. I, I think I was, and I think he was all. I think he was also a bad friend. But the sad thing was, I didn't want to go with him. But everyone else I asked said no, and I had two tickets, and I was afraid to go alone. So another moral: if you got to go alone. Just go alone because you're going to end up running away from your friend. You don't really want to be there with <laughs> anyway. Hey, that's the real moral. Thank you for bringing us back home, Louise. Uh, and on that note, let's get into our recommendation. No, no, no. Where are we going? Yeah, yeah we can go recommendation. All right, let's go recommendation. Spice, you going to recommend going to fucking Paris again? Yeah, go to Paris. <laughs> and then once, watch the movie, Everything, Everywhere. Bless Pause. Me. Thank you. All at once, Michelle Yeoh, the, directed by the Daniels. We, uh, I recommended the trailer before. Now the movie <laughs> is very much out, and it's one of the most incredible and beautiful movies I've seen in my life. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. And shout out and wa- watch Pachinko too. It's like kind of a fucking golden age for Asian Asian American uh, content coming out, at least from this hemisphere. So yeah, watch that. Is Pachinko, number is one Pachinko, country. Is Pachinko good? Pachinko is good. Have you read the book? Yes. Is the book also good? Book is also very good. Yeah. I started reading the book and I put it down. It's good. It's good. I think should have stuck good. with it. Yeah, yeah. But now I could watch the show if I don't want to stick with it. Watch the show. Watch Pachinko. Watch everything everywhere all at once. Good. Has anyone seen the new Tokyo Vice? Has anyone seen Tokyo Vice? No. What's that? It's an HBO Max series. I started it. Wasn't good. I don't really like his acting. Yeah, he's the dude that did a. Uh, the West Side Story, isn't he? Oh, is that who it is? I don't know. In his acting in there, I'm just kind of like, all right, dude, like, you make it so I don't really care what's going on with you. <laughs> uh, just so we're going to say that's a non recommendation? Yeah, I'm kind of whatever's on it. What? Slim is whatever's on it. That's the official word. Slim, what, what you got a show to recommend? Oh, yeah. Um, Top Boy season two came out. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of the, the English wire. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, what what's, what platform are we on? Netflix. So both my I'm gonna have another one from Netflix too. Um, but yeah, if you if you're into like the crime show type shit, and if at the end of season two you need someone to talk to, because um, it gets a little crazy, uh, hit me up. DM yeah, Slim. it's it's pretty good. And um, what was the other one on Netflix? Oh, there's a, a, a movie about hooliganism on Netflix called Furiosa um, that I just watched. It's about like a Polish group of hooligans. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It's not great, but it's it's not bad. It's, it's a documentary just, or what? No, it's okay. a it's it's a this drama. Yeah, like, you know, crime and whatnot and thriller, and not thriller, just crime. Um, but yeah, another one of those. Um, yeah, pretty pretty interesting stuff to to see how extreme they, they you know thought they view hooliganism and, and support the culture out in Europe. And Sh- shout outs to my favorite album of all time, Rolf, two thousand four. <laughs> <laughs> you guys already know that's my real recommendation for tonight. Um, I don't know if I've recommended this before, but I'm gonna recommend it again. Low in theory ended 
several years ago, much to the chagrin of many of our listeners and guests. And in its place, Daddy Kev started a weekly night on Wednesday nights called Scenario. (coughs) And it takes place at the Love Song Bar, which is part of the Regent Theater in downtown, not far from the Sonora Town Coles area. Um, It's free every Wednesday. Um, You get to listen to dope music. I saw Ryan Porter and Kamasi Washington play there for free at the end of last year. I went this year once already and saw a little jazz troupe called Lion Milk Quintet. It's just all new LA music that's like curated by Daddy Kev who curated all the music at Low End. It's free. Again, good cocktails, like a cool little spot uh, in downtown every Wednesday night for free. So I would go check that out if you want to check out some music. At, at the very least, you can look at their their Instagram. I think their Instagram or their Twitter is... Uh, let me get it real quick. It's um, scenario underscore 808. And they post the artists that are playing. So you can always like... If you've never heard of them, which you probably haven't, you can look up some of their shit. If you decided to go check it out, maybe you're going to stumble upon like a dope artist like Lina Fornia, who is from uh, Limert Park. And her, she's a producer. There's just like artists on there that, you know, you've never heard of. But guess what? Some of those artists become Flying Lotus. Some of them become Anderson Pack, who used to play Low End Theory all the time um, as Breezy Lovejoy before he became Anderson Pack. Then he played as Anderson Pack a lot. It was just such a, you know, a great staple of Los Angeles music low in theory and they're really trying to to do it so so go check that out and my other recommendation is um, what was my other recommendation oh yeah that's right it's my boy Go back to your 2004 bag. Go back to your 18-year-old jams and tell me you had this album. Call me up. Let's do this outro with with Rolf playing. Let's go. All right. Hey, our tea's running dry. We missed y'all. I'm back with my boys. Thanks for the gift spice. France 98. Rolf 2004.